So we are in the second week of this series where we are trying to think about how do we renew our mind. Uh, And I figured I would start today with a pet peeve of mine. Uh, You probably have your own, but I have lots of them. This just happens to be one of my particular pet peeves. Uh, So first you have to know, so I, I grew up Uh, playing uh, baseball, playing football. I was better at football than I was at baseball. I was terrible, uh, below average uh, baseball player. I played at Powder Springs Youth Organization uh, many, many years ago. And as I came through the organization, I, I, I said I was below average. I worked my way till I was 12 years old. I finally got to be an all-star. It was the first year I'd ever made all-stars. And so the way it worked when I was playing was the 12 best kids in the league got to be all-stars. Only 12. Didn't make a difference whether there were 100 kids in the league, 200 kids in the league, 300 kids in the league. Top 12 kids got to be the all-star team. And so I never made it until I was 12 years old, and I finally was one of the top 12 best in that particular league at that time. Years later, when Latham played baseball, uh, we played again at Powder Springs Youth Organization, and I was on the board at that time, and so Latham came through. And so we had leagues where there were about 16 teams, each had 12 kids on them. Uh, And so we had 16 teams of kids, and we had eight teams of All-Stars. So y'all do the math. Uh, So you think, okay, how did we move from the top 12 kids getting to be the All-Stars to eight teams out of 16? Well, because the parents of team number 13, the player number 13, didn't understand why their child didn't get to be an All-Star. And so, well, let's have another team. And then we had a second team. And then player number 25, uh, his parents... Uh, didn't particularly like that their child didn't get to be an all-star and so they wanted to have three teams and you can see how that went down literally I was on there where it would be like well why can't we have four why can't we have five and we ultimately ended up with eight teams of all-stars so you can probably see where my pet peeve is going which is I'm not a big fan of like participation awards uh, that everybody gets to to get an award. Now you may like that and that's certainly fine. Everybody, but I'm the one with the microphone. So my pet peeve uh, is participation awards. Uh, Because I do think it's one of those things where it, it trickles down to a degree. It trickles to us in the way that we think about uh, ourselves and how we teach our children and, and so what I mean by that is, so we, we're looking at a passage where Ephesians, Paul tells us that we kind of have to let go of our old self and clothe our new self. Let's look at this passage from Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4 says, you were taught to put away your former way of self, your old self, corrupt and deluded by its lust, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. The scripture goes on to say, and to clothe yourselves with the new self, created according to the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Now you may think, what does that have to do with your pet peeve? Well, see, my argument for you today is sometimes we get lost in the voices and we get lost in the voices that are not congruent with God's way. And what happens is we kind of create a mindset where we don't 
we, we want everything to kind of be a level playing field. And what it does is it creates in us a mindset where we forget how special we are to God. You, you are special to God. And so it trickles into our theology to where we think, well, we're just all, and we are all in need of grace. We all fall short of the glory of God. So there's a part of us that we can say that we're all on level playing field. But folks, we, we forget we are special to God. Look at what it says in Psalm 139. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. Let's pause right there for just one second. Works. We're not talking about just the sun rising, although it's wonderful. We're not talking about watching the ocean come in and out, although it's wonderful. We're talking about you and me, the works. In creation, we are the culmination of God's creation. Your works are wonderful, the scripture says. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. I love that scripture, but I love the phrase that says, I know that full well. We all jump to, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, which is great. But the question for today is, do you know that? Do you know that you're fearfully and wonderfully made? Do you listen? Do you speak that voice over yourself? Lord, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Do you know it? Do you know that? Psychologists, sociologists say that we are driven, when we think about ourselves, we are driven by a mindset of scarcity. Which means when we think about ourselves, we see the flaw. Would y'all agree? We see the flaw in ourselves. So we think, I'm not good enough. We think, I'm not loved enough. We think, I'm not strong enough. We think, I'm not capable enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not pretty enough. And we could just sit here all day long, right? I'm not this. Do you remember Moses in the Old Testament? We've looked at him. We did a whole series on him back, uh, I think it was fall of last year. But Moses in the Old Testament, his story is great for us to think about. Moses, the scripture tells us that Moses was in the the, uh, fields. He was taking care of the flock of Jethro. And he sees off in the distance what? A burning bush, right? He sees the burning bush and he's like, wait a minute, that bush is burning up. But it's not consuming. So that means it's literally on fire, but nothing's happening to it. And this intrigues Moses. And so Moses walks over to see what's happening in the bush. And as he gets over to the bush, the voice of God comes out of the bush and says, Moses, Moses. And then he says, take off your sandals because you're standing on holy ground. And the story goes on to tell us that God says, I hear my people. I hear the cries of the people. I hear what, and and I have come down to rescue them, and I'm going to send you to Pharaoh to tell him to let my people go. And how does Moses respond? Moses says this, look at what it says. Moses says to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? 
Do y'all think that's weird? I mean, Moses is literally having a conversation with God. I mean, like an audible conversation. How would you respond? Audible conversation with God. God's not just like nudging him in the inner spirit and kind of get to feel warm and fuzzy. God's literally talking to him and telling him all these things are going to go. And yet his response is, who am I? Who am I that I should go? We're listening literally to this battle between the voice of God and the voice that's inside of him or the voice of the enemy or the voice of the world around him. And God's saying, look, I'm, I'm going to come down. I have come down to rescue my people. I, I am God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm going to do all of this. And Moses' instinctive response is the response that we would give. It's the instinctive response we would have. Who am I? You can feel it in his hesitancy of how he responds. Now, you have to know this about Moses. If you don't know Moses' story, you have to know that a few years earlier... Moses, who was in Egypt, he saw the, uh, the Egyptian slaves were, I mean, the Egyptian guard were beating the Hebrew slaves. And he was a Hebrew, and so this kind of angered him. And so he went down and he beat the soldiers and killed them, right? And then somebody saw this. They questioned Moses, and Moses left. That's what ultimately led him into Midian, that Moses left because he realized that the world saw him now as a murderer. And what happens in this is that the enemy uses your history to inform your insecurity. Think about it. He uses your history to inform your insecurity, to now that is who you are. That's your identity, is what your history says. And so what we see Moses doing is Moses is thinking, okay, I know that you can rescue your people. I know that you are powerful to do this. I know that you hear the cries of your people, but who am I? I'm, I'm messed up. I'm broken. That's how we are. Folks, God has given us a mission, a vision for this church to reach the community around us. We don't doubt God. We know that that's what God wants to do. God wants to grow the kingdom. But we're sitting here going, but who am I? Right? How, how can God use me? How can God use us? Folks, when you hear the call of God and when the bush is burning, the voice of the enemy is never louder because the enemy doesn't want you to do what God wants you to do. So Moses saw himself this way, and Moses saw himself as lacking something. He's not having enough. I'm, I'm not skilled enough. I'm not talented enough. I'm not competent enough. And so Moses begins to question God. And Moses is like, okay, so what if they don't believe me? And if y'all have grown up knowing the story of Moses, you know that Moses, he's like, what, 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 do, what do I tell them? What if they don't believe that you're sending me to do this? And God says, okay, do y'all remember the story? You can throw the staff down and it becomes a snake or you can put your hand in your cloak and it withers away and then you put it back in its hole. You can turn the water into to all of these things you are able to do. 
And even after seeing all of that, Moses still questions. He says, but I'm not eloquent enough. Do you remember how God responds? Look at what he says. God's response to Moses when he says, but I'm not eloquent, I'm slow of speech. The Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? God says, but I'm the one who created you wonderfully and fearfully made. A couple weeks ago, Chad gave us the illustration, if you were here, gave us an illustration of putting your iPhone into the microwave in order to be able to make a FaceTime. Y'all remember that? And the example was that it would, it would blow up. You were not using it for what its purpose was. And I say that to you to say, I've come to realize that when we doubt the manufacturer, we insult God. Folks, whatever, whatever you've, if, if you're lacking something, then you don't need it to accomplish your mission if God created you that way. God gave you what you need. God has equipped you for what he's called you to do. What happens is we compare ourselves. I, I think, like, I'm a pretty good husband until I see what you do on Facebook for your anniversary. Uh, and then I realize, like, how bad I am, you know? I think that I'm a pretty good dad. And then I see, like, the things that you give your children and your grandchildren. And I'm like, man, I got a bad lot in life. Uh, you know, I can look at how I am as a pastor. And then I talk, go to clergy meetings and I talk to other people. And then I'm like... Uh, I mean, we compare ourselves to each other. Folks, it's a trap. It is a trap that the enemy wants us to think about. Is how do you compare to your neighbor? How do you compare to the person down the street? I think the antidote to this is getting back to the source. What is God's response? Is it not I, the Lord? When God calls you, when God calls us to do something, and our response may be, who am I? The answer to this is, is it not I, the Lord? Is it not I, the Lord, that called you, that can equip you, that can give you what you need? And you think that Moses is totally out of excuses, and yet Moses says, please send someone else. Pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. Even though Moses was trying to bow out, God is saying, I can still use you. Now, what I want you to notice in this, because this is so important, nowhere do we see Moses doubting God when I read this story. I believe that you can rescue your people. I believe you hear the cries of your people. I believe that you can let your people go. I just don't think you can do it through me, is what Moses is saying. He's not doubting God. 
He's doubting himself. How do we compensate? How do we overcome that voice that we see all the time in the life of the church? I want to share a passage with you that comes from the book of Isaiah that I don't say this like very often when I say a passage that like changed my life. Listen to what this says in Isaiah 61. I surely rejoice in the Lord. My heart is joyful because of my God. Because he has clothed me with clothes of victory. Wrapped me in a robe of righteousness. Like a bridegroom in a priestly crown. And like a bride adorned in jewelry. He has clothed me with clothes of victory. Wrapped me in a robe of righteousness. That's my story and that's also your story. If we believe in Jesus Christ, he has clothed us in a robe of righteousness. Now, I stand before you today as your preacher because I believe that God has called me to that task in the life of the church. And I stand before you as your preacher because the bishop, the cabinet, the board of ordained ministry, and the Methodist church have identified and recognized that call. And they have given me the authority to stand before you. So I chose today to wear a robe for a reason. Dave asks me every week, he comes in, he says, how was your week? And I know that you genuinely care and you want to know. This week was just not a good week. My mother-in-law is failing. And she's going to die soon. And... We had to deal with that. Then we have a funeral here yesterday. And just it's just a lot to have to, to deal with. And so those of you who are clergy, you know, there's just weeks where it's just, you're like, you're frustrated because you don't feel like you do anything very well. I don't think I'm a good husband. I don't think I'm a good dad. I don't think I'm a good pastor. I'm not looking for sympathy. I'm just trying to tell you where I, where I see myself. So I wore a robe because this is how I see myself. I see that I'm not good enough. I see that I'm not available enough to you. I wished I was more caring. I'm not worthy. I'm not strong enough. I can't even read that one. I'm not caring enough. Uh, And then it makes you think I'm not even close enough. I'm not close enough to God. Because if I was closer to God, then I would certainly be more caring and I'd be more loving and I'd be stronger. So eventually it gets to where I don't even feel like that I'm very close to God. This is how I see myself. But what Isaiah reminds me is this is not how God sees me. God clothes me in a robe of righteousness. So God sees me in the righteousness of God, the righteousness of Christ. Do you remember how Moses' story ends? He's like, who, is, who, who do I tell him? And he says, I am who I am. And that is just as much about God's identity as it is your identity and my identity. I want you to think about this because we're all 
We all have moments where we feel not good enough. And what happens is when I think I'm not good enough, God says, but I am. Do you get that? When I think I'm not available enough, God says, but I am. When I'm not strong enough, God says, I am. When I'm not caring enough, God says, I am. I'm not close enough. I'm not close enough. God says, I am. I'm not worthy enough. Clothe yourself with robes of righteousness. Clothe yourself with clothes of victory. And God says, but I am. I am who I am. What voice are you listening to? Folks, if we're going to clothe ourselves with our new self, we have to clothe ourselves with the robes of righteousness or allow God to clothe us with the robes of righteousness. We have to listen to that voice. So when I get up on a Sunday and I don't feel like being here, it's okay. I can admit that to you because I know that I am is here. And that I'm worthy. And that I'm close. And that I'm strong. And that I'm loved. And that I'm caring. Because God is. And that's how God sees me. Amen. Let's pray. Most gracious God, we thank you. Lord, I thank you that you are God who is present and powerful. And that you are God who sees us for who you created us to be. Lord, we are a room full of people who see ourselves as unworthy, unloved. We see ourselves as weak. We see ourselves as distant. We see ourselves as flawed. It's partly because we are. But you're not. When you put your righteousness around us, you see us as strong, as loved, as whole, as worthy. Help us, God to walk out of this door and listen to your voice. And I'm going to invite you this morning as we sing our last hymn. If you walked in this door today seeing yourself in one way, I just invite you to come and 
Allow God to remind you how he sees you. Claim it today. Listen to his voice. And so I just invite the altar to be open. Feel free as we sing to come, pray, speak to God. Allow him to speak to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.